to the U.S. Fire Journal Podcast. We offer views and opinions on the fire service around the world with no topic too tough to handle. Visit us at usfirejournal.com for all your fire service information. Now, here's your host, Jay. Good afternoon and welcome into the podcast. Today is January the 18th, the year 2023. I am Jay. At least I think I am. Today I want to start off by talking about a subject that has become viral. It's, it's a story out of a town called Laverne, Tennessee, not a big town, where, a, um, where some officers engaged in uh, sex on duty, and when it was all said and done, a full 12% of the police force, a uh, small uh, police force, uh, ended up being terminated and it is i think instructive for fire departments to look at this story um we all know that uh sex has has and is still taking place in fire stations and in city buildings and and other city interests we know what happens laverne is uh, a bit of a wake-up call as this scandal has erupted to uh, epic proportions. It is uh, being talked about uh, all around the country, indeed, um, in foreign countries as well. There are memes out, it's viral, whatever you want to call it. And it's a good lesson, I think, for fire departments. Um, uh, Regardless of uh, how you look at things as to to, uh, who's victimized and who's not, um, here's something that um, that I think uh, goes on without question or, or that this speaks to without question. You will pay a price if you engage in sex on duty. You just will. Might not be right now, might be later, but at some point, someone else owns that information on you. They own it, and it will come out, and it will not have a good ending. Now, I've been asked a number of questions, uh, sent emails on a number of questions. Um, One person who is um, a first-rate person, just class act, said, in his opinion, this is an issue of character people not hiring character people. And he's not talking about Laverne. He's talking about in the fire service. And I understand where he's coming from. You know, we often talk about, oh, that firefighter's bad or those firefighters are bad. Um, None of them hire themselves. They get hired. And very often, people who do the hiring, um, they make mistakes. They allow friendship to enter in. They ignore Uh, significant uh, marks about that particular person from other department from another department or departments often from their own people and so I think that is an issue in as much as we do have people who make hiring decisions who are not high character people themselves but we're all human beings Um, another person said that 
the only way to rid the fire service of this is to terminate the people whenever they're involved. I, I can understand that approach too, that uh, you know what, we're going to terminate everyone involved in this. I just think we have to be careful not to terminate someone who wasn't directly involved because when we go with that zero tolerance on something, you know, absolute zero tolerance, um, now we're, we are saying that uh, no case could be different, and I, I just don't think that's wise. Um, some people are caught up in things not because of what they do, but because of where they happen to be in the moment. And I'm not sure that those people deserve that, uh, that ultimate penalty uh, from an employer, which is to say, leave. I will say this. If you get caught on duty... In my opinion, you don't have a leg to stand on. No pun intended. You should be terminated. Um, and, and this is why. We live in an age where everyone has a video camera. Everyone. Uh, news travels about as fast as news happens. Sometimes faster. Um, so it, it, is, it can be devastating for a department. It can be devastating for a city. It can wreck promotions. It can wreck future pay raises. It can wreck budgets. And while we all laugh at, at, at other people going through this or, or we make jokes about it, oftentimes to kind of, you know, uh, so it seems a little bit less serious than it is, make no mistake, everyone involved in these things, um, their lives change and typically not for the better. And the department's life changes. I mean, the life of the department changes. You get caught up in a sex scandal, and uh, there are no good things that are going to come out of it. There just aren't. No one goes through it and says, oh, that was a heck of an experience. You know, glad I got to experience that. It is not good. It, it just isn't. And... I think instead of saying maybe, you know, we always need to hire high character people and all this other stuff, I think we have to look at it, and this is my perspective on it. People need to be adults about what they're doing. Be mature and say, you know what, it's tempting because maybe it is, but um, I'm going to have to pass on it. Um, I, I do have a duty to citizens, and to my fellow firefighters. And what happens is, people who engage in these things, it ends up being hard on the people that are left behind, the people who have to salvage reputations or attempt to, the people who have to deal with smaller budgets because of the city council or county council or commission or whatever. Um, they don't think, that they, they want to punish you. Budgets become punitive then they start to punish you because of the decisions that were made by some people. Further, try hiring people after something like that comes out. You know how hard it is to attract quality people? It, it gets tougher. So all the way around, not to mention the media scrutiny, um, and, and, you know, I, I had somebody tell me, oh, you know, that media is going to, you know, the media comes into these situations and, and they're just horrible. I don't think they're horrible. I think they're doing their job. Here's my thing. 
Don't give them the opportunity to come in and report the truth. Just don't participate in things that can get you into the spotlight. Because once there, it's very difficult to get out of it. Not impossible, but difficult. And I submit the smaller the department, the bigger the problem. Because it's a long time before other things replace those stories. And loss of confidence can be devastating in, uh, in cities and towns for fire departments that, uh, that are caught up in this sort of thing. I had a captain one time, and uh, I think he had 38 years on the job, and I was detailed to his company for a couple of shifts, and uh, he didn't talk. I mean, he just didn't. He sat there quiet. If you went on a call, he knew what he was doing exceptionally well, and he'd tell you what line to pull or where to go. And the man had a, a sixth sense about putting fires out, but he didn't talk a lot. In fact, I think the whole first shift, I think he said hello to me, and then that was it. In the second shift, he happened to sit out front of the station, and I was sitting out there. And... uh he started talking to me, and he had this extremely deep voice. And he said, uh, he said, I'm going to give you a piece of advice. And he said, and I don't give a F if you take it or not. I'm thinking, okay. And he looked me straight in the face, and he said, you want to make it in the fire service? Don't be stupid. Like, okay, you know. And later I'm like, huh, you know, that wasn't really helpful. Why didn't he break it down? But as I got older, I realized that what he said was pretty profound. He didn't need to break it down. He didn't need PowerPoint presentations. He didn't need three days of, of eight-hour-a-day classes to tell me that. What he was saying is, you can be on this job for a long time, a whole career, as long as you're not stupid. And I think... When you look at the types of things that people get in trouble for, quite often, they're stupid. And I think it's sage advice. I think it's wisdom. And I think as you get older, and the more you see, I think it becomes easier to, to really relish that type of advice. Don't be stupid. Go in. Do your job. Go home. If it gets boring every once in a while, be happy. Boredom will beat bad excitement any day of the week. The Chinese have an ancient curse that they like to say to people. May you live in interesting times. Well, interesting times can mean war, pestilence, uh, all sorts of, of horrific things. And so it is. It's a heck of a curse. May you live in interesting times. And uh, I think to avoid having to deal with all this, it ultimately comes back to just don't be stupid. Now, I think it was day before yesterday, um, I received a phone call from a friend who is in the uh, middle part of the 
Eastern Seaboard, um, Virginia, Maryland area. I'm not going to go exact, but he is a, he's a battalion chief, and we've been friends for a long time. <clears throat> and he called me because uh, he wanted me to mention something on the podcast. And I thought, huh, okay. If you go for an interview, a job interview, if you go for a promotional interview, and this is free, by the way. We're not going to charge for this. This is free. Don't wear shorts and a T-shirt to a job interview or a promotional interview. I'll tell you why. It turns everybody off. And no matter how brilliant your delivery, no matter how brilliant, brilliantly you answer questions, it is not professional. Now, I get liking to wear shorts. I do. I get it. It's comfortable. And maybe in a different frame of time, maybe somebody, maybe it's all right to wear shorts to interviews and to promotional exams or promotional interviews. But this isn't it. When you walk in, you're trying to make an impression. Now, that impression on a promotional interview has already been made. Part of that has already been made. But when you walk into a room, what you're saying is, I'm coming dressed in the most professional manner I know. When you're going for a job interview, even more important, typically, there's very little known about you. So when you walk in the door and you got on a t-shirt, a Grateful Dead 87 t-shirt and a pair of shorts and shoes without socks, or even with socks at that point, it doesn't really matter, or a Ron John t-shirt, maybe you got that on, you're not getting the job. You're just not, unless it's the Big Lebowski Fire Department, and if it were, I'd be in line to apply, but there's not one. You can't come to interviews dressed like that. Now, I get it. Some of us, we hate the idea of having to dress in a suit to go to an interview. Some people love to wear a suit every day and would. There are others who don't and won't. But there's a fine line. Very fine line. You don't have to have a suit from Savile Row and Italian handmade leather shoes. But you gotta look like you came from some place other than an alley outside a bar where you've been on a 24-hour drunk. It is not wise to show up to interviews dressed like that. And everybody's got an opinion on this, and I get it. And people will, will say, yeah, you know, it really shouldn't matter. And then the minute you show up wearing your suit, not wearing a suit or not wearing, look, let's face it, dressing like a, a, a guy just off the beach. Yeah, you've ruined your chances. You have. Maybe it shouldn't be that way, but it be that way now. 
And so because it's that way, don't do it. Just, just don't. Not wise. So to my friend, I hope that was strong. And uh, I, I hope people are listening. I really do. Shortly, if you go to usfirejournal.com right now, you see we have a new uh, logo up. And uh, I really like the logo. Um, it is, well, I got to watch it kind of come into being, which also uh, makes me enjoy it. And I have to tell you, I have no artistic talent whatsoever. Uh, but uh, the guy that I had do it for me, um, first-rate guy, I like him a lot. Uh, hadn't known him, but I don't know, five months maybe. Um, firefighter, a hell of a firefighter, good guy, all around uh all-around top-shelf guy. Um, he did it for me. Uh, his name is Josh. Um, he's a firefighter in Tennessee. Um, just came from, I believe, Colorado. And uh, so it, it's a heck of an adjustment uh, going from all the, the snow uh, down to where there's a, a substantially less snow. But uh, he did a great job. And uh, I'm going to put up uh, next week... Um, uh, a little bio of them based on the logo and and if you need any logo work done the, the guy's just legit he really is um hit me up j at usfirejournal.com j-a-y at usfirejournal.com i'll forward uh, i'll forward it to him um, we we did the new logo and uh because we We've been talking about, I've been thinking about this for a while. I shouldn't say we've been talking. I don't talk to myself. I've been thinking about this for some time because I want to get back more into some hard-hitting stuff and kind of uh, shake it up just a little bit. And shaking it up is important, I think, um, because there's lots of stuff that that is covered and, and needs commentary, and then there's some stuff that isn't covered and deserves to be covered. That's precisely what I intend to do. Um if you have any story ideas, if you have any tips, anything that uh, that you would like covered at all, you can go to the website usfirejournal.com, click on the contact, uh, click on contact, and then you can submit a form if you'd like, or you can email me directly, jay at usfirejournal.com. Um, lots of interesting stuff coming, and uh, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, but about the about the logo, uh, I want to thank Josh uh, considerably. I know he spent time on it, a great deal of time, and uh, I'm thankful for it and uh, uh, thankful for his friendship as well. And uh, um, hopefully we can get him to do some, some more uh, designing in the future. Um, again, uh, I highly recommend him. Um, he's... Uh, He's different than other people I've, I've dealt with because uh, he's very passionate about it. Um, he designed a shirt, and I actually bought it from a, from a company. Uh, God knows what he's doing. Um, so if you're interested in, in getting in contact with him or if you have a website or anything like that, um, let me know, j at usfirejournal.com. Switching gears a little bit. Um, there was uh, an interesting photograph sent to me, and, and it was sent, I guess, a couple weeks ago, and it was a, uh, a fire truck, a, a ladder truck, actually, that was in a hole. Um, looked like the road giving way under it. 
and uh, the department, uh, they used some jacks to, to lift it and then crib under it until they got it back street level, and then they were able to get out of the hole. They were able to do that without involving, uh, I would imagine, tow trucks, so on and so forth. And it was interesting because um, I showed it to somebody, and their first comment was, uh, what kind of damage would that do <coughs> Excuse me, to the outriggers? Uh, because the the truck is is sitting uh, much lower than it normally would when you're raising the outriggers, and and so I checked into it uh, by reaching out to to uh, an aero designer engineer uh, who engineer uh, an engineer who designs aero trucks, and uh, he said nothing. There was absolutely nothing. It was uh, well within its. Uh, uh, well within its uh, safety factor and well within the engineering standards to be able to do that. And and what it did, and my reason for telling you that is not so much to, to talk about that, but to talk about the things that people see. You know, everyone sees things that, and they go, you know, wonder how that happened. Um, you know, I wonder, uh, you know, what's the engineering behind that? And, and one of the things that, that I get questions about a lot, especially from young firefighters, we get questions, always get questions about aero trucks, um, hydraulics, so on and so forth. And it's an interesting topic. And so, in March, oh, about the second week in March, um, I have a guest tentatively scan, uh, scheduled to come on the podcast, and it's someone who uh, can answer a lot of questions about aerials because uh, he has been intimately involved in, in operating aerial devices and in the engineering aspect of it for over 30 years. And he is a just a wealth of knowledge. He has a wealth of knowledge. And so I'm going to have him in, uh, have him on in March. And what I would say is about two weeks before, you can certainly send in questions now, jay at usfirejournal.com if you'd like. But about two weeks before, I'm going to put it out again, and I'll also put it over on the website. Um, if you have questions about aerial devices, maybe that you've always wanted to know about the hydraulics, the design of them, um, what's it mean, you know, what, what's the safety factor, um, you know, it, it, he can answer very technical questions in a way that is remarkable. And uh, so I, I think it, it'll be a good time having him on and also uh, to have people uh, be able to ask questions. I, I know I have a lot of questions. I certainly have more than he has time. But if other people have questions, um, we'll certainly uh, get those questions in and, and, uh, and get them answered. Uh, and so that's, that's you participating. And again, that will be in March of this year. I also saw a picture of, uh, it was, uh, I guess, two or three engines in the picture. Uh, LDH uh, coming from a hydrant to, to one of the engines and a car. Um, straddling the LDH. Uh, apparently a woman had come up. She tried to drive over it. Uh, firefighter saw her, stopped her. Uh, law enforcement came up, made her get out of the car. 
and and walk over to where they were standing so that uh, she would not be able to move the car until the fire was over. Which, kudos to everyone involved with that, because that was the right thing to do. I know for sure there are many places where they would have been told, oh, just back up, and certainly you know what would have happened then. Um, the hose would have would have burst. And it, it's interesting, the... When someone tries to drive through a scene and they get stopped, the most important thing is, is getting control of that vehicle. And we all know that's typically law enforcement's job. It is. Their, their job is to control traffic. They can't always be there right when it starts. Maybe they don't, maybe they don't have enough officers out there, whatever the case may be. Um, it's vital if someone makes entry into a scene, to get them stopped. Don't allow them to continue. Once you see it and stop it, don't just, you know, oftentimes you do have to walk away. But what they did by getting that driver out of the vehicle um, was, was a wise course of action, very wise. And I think it's important that people understand that uh, they can't, create further disaster if they're not in the vehicle and, and we all know some people say oh, it'll be fine i'll sit here if they know they've got to sit there for an hour and 45 minutes yeah no they're going to try to get out of there now um if there's a way for law enforcement to get them out of there that's up to them but don't let them continue through a scene uh, firefighters have their backs turned um when when you're operating at a fire the last thing on your mind most of the time is, uh, you know, watching out for cars, especially if, uh, especially if you're involved in fighting fire. Um, you just, you know, that's not something that's on your mind. People, um, they want to get where they're going every time, not once or twice, but every time. Their time is valuable, and, and that's what they'll tell you. My time's valuable. I don't have time to sit here. Well, you had time to try to kill a firefighter. So in my opinion, you have time to sit. This is not something that should be broached for the very first time out on a scene. This is something that, that your command staff uh, can discuss with law enforcement. Because, look, everybody needs to be on the same page. We have firefighters who die on scene. It's horrible to lose your life out on an interstate. It's horrible to lose your life when you're bringing uh, some hose out of a house to make up. You know, you're taking it out there to drain it, and you're standing in the front yard, and you get run over. Nobody expects that. We expect the scene to be secure. So let's make sure we secure the scene. And for the command staff, get involved long before you ever go to a scene. Talk to law enforcement about what you're looking for. They have, a different, they have a different view of things with respect to traffic, and they should because they're law enforcement. You have to make it abundantly clear to them what your expectation is, and then you have to enforce it, and they have to enforce it. And then hopefully people go home after a fire. Um, again, if people drive into your scene, stop them and don't let them continue.
unless there's some secret back back way out that is nowhere near a fire scene, and if law enforcement walks along with them, okay, don't accept it. It's bad practice. That's going to do it for today. We will be back uh, day after tomorrow with another podcast, unless news breaks of some big thing or something, but uh, we'll have to wait and see on that. Um, Until next time, stay safe.